The following is a For the City Church sermon. We hope you enjoy it. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to read the passage, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to briefly recap uh, part 1 of our message. So if you remember last month, for you guys who were here, we started part 1, and then today will be part 2. And, and actually, this sermon could actually be like five or six sermons. So I squeezed a lot in last time, almost like a survey. Uh, and, uh, but we'll finish up today, Hebrews chapter 12, okay? So, all right, go back to verse 39 of chapter 11. It says, and all these, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that for your great name's sake and for the sake of the gospel in our own lives and in this community, that you would do as we prayed earlier uh, with our teams this morning, that you would do a work that we can't do. So Holy Spirit, will you speak to our hearts through your word that's preached, through your word that's read. May we celebrate the gospel this morning. And I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here that is struggling in whatever area of life, whether it's sin or whether it is just that life is hard, Father, that you would lift their head, that you would help them to see your grace, that you would help them to see where their help comes from, for our help comes from the Lord. Salvation is of you, but also sustaining our lives comes from you. So we look to you in all things, for all things, for your great name's sake we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just to recap a bit, uh, this passage, specifically chapters 1 through 2, is all about running the race of faith, all right? So it's not just any race, it's the race of faith. And specifically, what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to do is to endure while we're running. Uh, because, like I prayed before, guys, life is hard. Life is hard. Yes, at times it does. It's very hard, isn't it? And the longer you live, the more you realize, man, life is hard. But let me tell you something, God is good. And that's not just a Christianese little pithy thing that we throw around. He is good. He is faithful. He loves you. And so even though life is hard, the writer of Hebrews is calling all of us in this passage to run the race of faith to endure because life can be hard. It can be times where you feel like coasting. 
There are times where you feel like just tapping out. And so the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us and challenging us and calling us as we feel weary, as life is hard, to run, to not quit, to not tap out, to not coast, to not be what the Bible calls lukewarm. He's challenging us to do this. And so specifically, he says in the passage that we just read, to not let anything get in our way of running this race of faith with endurance. Don't let anything get in the way. And if you remember from part one of last month, one of the answers that he gives to running the race of faith with endurance is, is who you look to. It's where is your gaze? Who are you looking to? Where are you looking to while you are running? Because that means everything. If you look at the circumstances around your life, guess what? And your head goes down, then it can, you can get easily discouraged. Do I have a testimony this morning, right? Amen? You can, if you look at your circumstances, if you look at your people and your situation around you, and you don't look at the end, if you don't look to Jesus, like he says in Hebrews 12, things can get very, very dicey very quick. Because you can just go, you know what? I'm either going to slow down or I'm just going to tap out. So that's what this passage is about. He's encouraging us, challenging us, don't tap out, don't slow down. Run this race of faith with endurance. Because who, he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion in and through Jesus Christ. He will do it. This is what he's encouraging us to do. But in verse 1, he says, he look, he says, look back first. So where are you looking? Who are you looking to? He says, look back to the witnesses that surround you. Look back to the witnesses, to their lives of faith that cheer you on and say, finish strong. You can do it. You know, one of the things I think of, he, he builds this picture of a, of a Colosseum, right? At least I think it's a Colosseum. Um, I remember back when, I know Jake, you, you uh, ran cross country. Uh, I ran cross country back in the day. Uh, I also remember times where uh, my kids would run cross country or being a sporting event or whatever, and especially with cross country. Uh, and I also remember actually as a kid going to the Colonial NIT golf tournament in Fort Worth, okay? So when I was a kid, some of you older folks can uh, relate to this, I saw Jack Nicklaus play. Okay? I saw Arnold Palmer play. Even though that day he had hemorrhoids, he went ahead and played anyway. Okay? There's a little side, little side note. Uh, I'll always remember, I watched Arnold Palmer play golf while he had, had hemorrhoids. And so, uh, but, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, but I remember the crowds, right? They would, they would tee off, right? And so the crowds would just be crowding around Jack Nicklaus or Arnold Palmer. And, and uh, I remember in cross-country meets that, that people would just crowd the lines, right? And so all the runners would be running, and maybe it was their last lap or whatever it may be. And uh, people would just crowd around and say, yes, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, right? So this is the picture of these witnesses, and we talked a lot about these witnesses last time, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that this morning, but that's the picture. We're running this race of faith, 
And as we're running this marathon, because it's not a sprint, right? It is a marathon. It is a, it is a 5K, 10K, whatever, marathon, half marathon, whatever <laughs> you can think of. And as we're running it and as we are feeling tired because towards, we're towards the end of the race, you've got people on each side of the path that you're running on and you're looking to them and they're saying, you know what? We've been where you're at. We've run the race that you are now running, and we did it. You can do it too. But one thing that you want to see today or this morning is that we don't just look at back to these witnesses that cheer us on uh, to endure the race of faith, but also we look to Jesus. We look to the joy that is set before us. So if there are three motivations that I would give you this morning that he gives you in the scripture today, it's... To, to run the race of faith with endurance is look back to the witnesses. Look to those who have run the race before you, who are saying to you today, you can do it because he's faithful. Second motivation, though, is to look to Jesus. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame of the cross. So we look to witnesses, we look to Jesus, and we look forward in joy. And so we're going to talk about the last two this morning, looking to Jesus and looking forward. So the title of the sermon this morning, as you, you see on the map, is Looking Up to Look Forward. Last time, the sermon was called Looking Back to Look Forward. Because these witnesses, if you look at verse 39, they were looking forward. They were looking forward always. If you read chapter 11, it's all about them looking forward to the city that God has built for them, the reward that is ahead of them. And they're looking for, looking for that joy, looking for that time where they will join God and be perfected, which we'll talk about in just a few moments. But, you know, some Christians come to the end of their lives so suddenly that they don't even have a single moment to say anything. I've, I've seen a lot of that lately, whether it's Christian or not a believer, and it's just so much death in the world. No final words, no memorable sayings, all they leave behind is a, a lifetime of uh, deeds and words. And then we're left to put the pieces together and interpret what their life meant. You know, it was different with the Apostle Paul. As he approached the end of his life, he saw it coming, and he had time to tell us what he thought of his life. Here's what he said. Look at or listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. There's that race metaphor again. I have kept the faith. So point one today in your map is the Christian life is a race, but it's also a fight for faith. There is no coasting. Um, even though you go through seasons of life, I go through seasons of life where I want to coast, I want to walk. Sometimes I just want to tap out. And actually, to be honest with you, just to share my heart with you, the reason I wanted to preach this sermon series was back in May, man, I was, I was like, I just want to quit. This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Life is hard. Faith, to battle for faith and joy every day is hard. Um, but the Christian life is a race. It's a marathon. It's a fight. If you don't think it's a battle for joy and faith every day, then you're... <sighs> You're living a Pollyanna, do you, that's an old saying, Pollyanna life, right? 
So at the end of his life, Paul says this, all my life has been like a fight and like a race. Keeping faith has been a struggle. There's trust in God's promises, walking by faith in the Son of God, resting in the easy yoke of Jesus, being anxious for nothing. It's all been like a war. Doesn't it feel like a war at times? Nothing has been easier. Nothing has been harder. So in other words, there are times where trusting Christ is easy. Then other times, very difficult, very hard. Day and night, by every means graciously given to me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul says, I have fought the good fight, and I run the race of perseverance. Once again, endurance, persevering, not quitting, not tapping out. And so before Paul died, he made this very clear in his own life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. These are, not, these are not tapping out kinds of words. These are not coasting kinds of words. These are war kinds of words. Fight the good fight. Hold of, uh, take hold of. He says in verse 11, flee, pursue, love. <laughs> Once again, when he says flee the love of money and and all the, the evils that grow out of it and pursue faith and love and perseverance, these, we, these are words of battle. Take up your shield, take up your sword, flee, pursue, fight, battle, endure, persevere. Because Paul knows. If anyone knows, Paul knows. These witnesses to our faith, of their faith, to us in chapter 11, they know. If you read chapter 11 again, it's, it's all about you not coasting. But you see, what was happening is with chapter 12, verse 1, the writer says, let us run the race set before. So the writer of Hebrews is agreeing with Paul in this. Because if you remember from the first sermon, these witnesses were calling the people, the Hebrews, the Hebrews that the writer's talking to, uh, these witnesses of the faith were, were basically calling them to not be weary any longer because that's the context of chapter 11. It's actually the context of Hebrews. You have a bunch of Hebrew Christians that, are, that have been Christians for a while. They've endured persecution. They wake up every day going, can I make it? I feel like tapping out. I feel like walking. And you can see that in different verses throughout uh, Hebrews. So the writer says, run the race that is set before you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 33 says, Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle, and you had compassion on the prisoners. Chapter 5, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. He's saying, you, you've slowed down. When you first came to Christ, you were full of joy. If you remember the passage from last time too, it says that you endured the, and I'm butcher this because I don't have it right in front of me, you endured the plundering of your property with joy. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, what happened? When you first came to Christ, you were, you were running so well. Now you've slowed down and you're tapping out and you're 
coasting. And so this is a trumpet call to them and to us, no matter where you are in the race of faith, to not walk, but run. To not coast, but to run with endurance. You know, our church has been around for a very short time, right? I mean, coming up in September, um, we will be, we'll have our public service basically just one year, right? And so, but even though we've only been around a short time, man, I don't know if you can feel it. I mean, maybe as a pastor who's been around the block quite a bit, I can already feel the tug corporately towards just maintaining. Because we've got some great things going on right here. All you people, man, I love you. And we've got some, the Lord's working. He is at work. It's, it's all good. We're, we're like, I don't know, we're still babies, I guess, if you will. And we're learning to walk. You know, we're kind of crawling, I guess. But even right now, because, and as we get our kids' ministry going in the fall, and called City Kids, and, and as we build great systems of administration and Sunday mornings and things like that, as the operations guy at this church, I can already feel myself going, why don't we just, why don't we just take a step back and just maintain? Why don't we just take a step back and just enjoy? And we should enjoy. We should do that. But boy, the danger is very, danger is there. <laughs> Corporately, individually, to go, you know what? I just want to coast. I just want to maintain. And so we get caught up in maintenance ministries. We get diverted by just maintaining. We, we can get careless in our vigilance, spiritual vigilance. Uh, we can quench the Holy Spirit with, we'll say, passionless, dead, uh, dutiful religious exercises. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel yourself just going, you know what? Live in the United States, got a lot of freedoms. And uh, oh, how easy it is just to kind of, you know, hey, maintain. Especially when life is hard. Or you've gone through a season of life that's hard, right? It's It's a danger for all of us, individually, corporately. And so the writer of Hebrews knows this. He sees this happening. And now he's encouraging, calling, challenging uh, the people and us to keep it from happening. He says in chapter 3 even, Take care, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief leading you to fall away from the living God. Chapter 12, look at, since you're there in chapter 12, look at verses 12 through 14 with me. After he's talking about how God disciplines us because he's a faithful father, uh, as he's talking about suffering and discipline, he says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I mean, do you see it? There, this is not, this writer, he's not saying there's a lot of imperatives there. What's an imperative? It's a command. It's, it's do this. And so even though you may have drooping hands and a drooping countenance and weak knees and maybe crooked paths in your life, 
He is telling you, don't tap out, don't give up, don't coast, don't walk, pursue. Because church, there is a race. So run the race, fight the fight, pursue peace, pursue holiness. So once again, 12-1 is a trumpet call. Maybe it's like a warning gun. You know, a warning gun, right? You like the little sound effect? Yeah. To see our life as a race, to be run with passion and zeal and energy and discipline. So let me just say this. Let me give you a little bit of a break. We, can't, we are not perfect. We can't maintain a mountaintop experience with the Lord 24-7 all of our lives. It just can't happen. You are a sinner in great need of grace every single day. So we're not talking about, he's not saying that you're not going to feel weak. He's not saying that you're not going to droop. He's not going to say there aren't seasons in your life where you don't walk or coast. But that's why we need the word of God. That's why we need the writer of Hebrews calling us with this trumpet call, this I like, I like doing that, by the way. I may do that again. Um, calling us to passion and zeal and to run the race with endurance. So the question is once, obviously, and I need this as much as you do, Kevin, are, are you running or are you coasting? Are you in the race, Kevin? Are you on the sidelines? So you can get back in the race this morning. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. How does he say that? He says, by throwing off weights and sins. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Throwing off weights and sins. So let me just give you a little idea of what this means, throwing off weights and sins. Because many times we think, what is keeping me back is the sin in my life. And it could be, I mean, there could be some habitual sin, there could be some major sin in your life that you've kept private or secret, and it just keeps rising up and biting you. It could, that could be it. But it's interesting that he says weights and sins, anything that weights you down. And, and so here's what I would say. I would say that anything that keeps you from running the race of faith, it's not just sin. There could be other things, maybe good things in your life, that you have made ultimate things. The Bible calls those idols, by the way. Good things in your life that you've made ultimate things that weigh you down, that slow you down. So the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, if you want to run the race of faith with endurance, look around. Throw off weights. Throw off the sin. Whatever distracts you or slows you down or weighs you down from running, let it go. I remember when, I know this, not, it never got creepy. I'm, I'm glad to hear, yeah. But I remember getting uh, ready for Tough Mudder back at harvest. And I remember thinking to myself, how can I just get rid of some more weight? I had already lost, what, 75 pounds? Uh, yeah, it was, it was huge. Now, I've gained some of that back, um, but I lost 75 pounds, and I, I kept thinking, which, what kind of clothing can I wear that's, you know, what do you call that, wick, wicking material or whatever, and, and lightweight and, and all that kind of thing, and, 
And uh, so there was these short shorts that I thought about wearing. That's where it gets creepy. Um, and, I, and I went, no, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to go that far with short shorts. It's just going to have to be longer shorts and, and whatever. Uh, but this is what a runner thinks. A runner thinks, how can I, or maybe even a race car driver, a race car driver thinks, you know, how can I get rid of extra weight in order to run the race faster? What's that? Or a soccer player. See, this is what he's saying. He's saying it's not just sin. It could be sin, but it's anything that keeps us from running. So one of the application points, I think, is what keeps you from running? What slows you down? Now, don't go so far as we had a family member who said, well, you know what? My wife is slowing me down, so I'm just going to divorce her. Nope. Sorry, eh, thanks for playing. That's not what we're talking about, right? Um, but I think it's healthy to think what slows me down? What keeps me from running? Is it sin or is it just maybe a good thing that I've made an ultimate thing in my life and therefore it slows me down? See, the great danger of every aging church, every aging denomination, every aging individual, from Naomi all the way up to Russ, um, going from youngest to oldest, right? Uh, we're good there. Um, <laughs> so wherever we're at in life, we're aging. And so the older you get, sometimes... Endurance builds up. We have the calluses that come with suffering. Um, that's a good thing. But at every age of, whether it's individually or corporately, um, we think we begin, if we, we might begin to coast a little bit. Instead of running and instead of fighting, we just fiddle. <laughs> fiddle with life. Instead of running, we coast. And so the writer of Hebrews and the Lord this morning saying to all of us, there's a better way to come to the end of your life. Namely, running the race and fighting the fight. So, the three motivations. We said look back to witnesses. This is what he's encouraging us to do. He's saying it can be done, it can be done, you can do it. These witnesses of faith, by the way, if you remember... They are, once again, people that are, have run the race of faith in the past, right? That's what these witnesses are. Because I actually had a person ask me last time, who are these witnesses? Well, chapter 11 are all those witnesses. So and I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but uh, look back at chapter 11, and these are witnesses. And, and so they're, in a sense, they're looking at us, and we're looking at them, but not in a, like a weird sort of hyper-spiritual kind of way. It's basically like a metaphor encouraging us to, to run. One of the things I didn't cover last time, though, is verses 39 and 40. Eli wanted me to cover these verses. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, which points us back to the motivation in chapter 11, verses 39 through 40. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, He's pointing back to verse 39. These are people, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, 
See, this is the motivation. This is one of the motivations, the something better for us. It comes to us because the saints of old did not receive what was promised. And you may be thinking, oh man. (laughs) So what is this something better? What is better for us because they did not get what was promised? Well, the answer is in the last phrase of verse 40. Look at verse 40 with me. The answer is this, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Point number two to help us is that the goal is perfection in the presence of the Holy God. So not only is recognizing that the Christian life is a race and a fight, not only will that help you to endure the race, but also you've got to look to the goal. And that goal is perfection in the presence of the Holy God. Not that you can be perfect in this life. So don't hear me wrong. I'm saying that what Christ has bought for you through his life, death, and resurrection is perfection with the Holy God. This is the goal. Because right now we are not perfect. We are sinners. We, are, we make good things, ultimate things. We sin habitually. We are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to to the Father except through me. And so what do we mean by that? We mean that your greatest need, your greatest problem, let's say need first, your greatest need is not a better tax return. That's speaking to my heart. A better job, a better relationship, a better, 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 better. It's talking about something better. Your greatest need is righteousness before a holy God. And there is no way that you can be righteous in and of yourself. You can't go to heaven and say, no, in my own righteousness, let me in. We'll say it that way. God has made a way through his son who lived the perfect life for you who died in your place and was raised again. This is why we are a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching, gospel-driven church. Because we realize that we cannot save ourselves and God has made a way. This is the good news of the gospel. He has made a way for you and me, a wretched sinner, rebel, who has flipped off God more times than we can count in our lives. And he says, by grace through faith, in his son, he says, I've given you my son. You can't be perfect, but guess what? Trusting in Christ, I declare you innocent. I declare you righteous before me. This is the gospel. That God is a holy, righteous creator. And that you are born sinful by nature and by choice. That's the bad news. And you are accountable to this God who exists And if you do not put your faith in Christ, you are facing wrath and hell because you are not righteous in and of yourself. But he has made a way. Here's the good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God to be received is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So once again, he has met your greatest need in declaring you righteous before himself. This is the goal. 
the people in Hebrews, the witnesses that we've talked about, they look for the day when they can be, be righteous, when their faith will become sight, and God will say, yes, come in, I am yours, you are mine. Not based on your own righteousness, but on, based on my mercy and grace, by grace through faith in him alone, you are saved. You see, what will help us endure, especially when I was back in May, when I was going, you know, I just tapping out, just, you know, I don't know if I can go on. I just want to slow down. I just want to, you know, this whole church planning thing, I just want to maintain. I just, you know, I'm tired. I'm weary. Um, you know, I just want to, I just want to tap out. And as I, I turned on the scriptures in my little FedEx truck, big FedEx truck, actually, and turned on uh, the Gospels and just began to listen to all the Gospels again. <laughs> just listen to the Gospels and, and in his kindness, in his mercy and grace, he whispered his love to me. He whispered his mercy and grace to me. Coming off every page of the Gospels. And what he showed me was that don't tap out, Kevin. Don't, don't slow down. Because what's ahead of you is me. <laughs> I've, I've made a way for you to be perfect in my sight. Kevin, lift your head and realize what your future holds. That this light momentary affliction that you experience right now doesn't even compare to the weight of glory that's ahead of you. Whew, that's great news. I'm not telling you, ooh, I was just, yay, after that. But boy, I tell you what, I begin to remind myself day after day of that truth, preaching the gospel to myself, preaching this goal that's ahead of me, and my head, he raised my head, and I began to see him. Now, not in some weird sort of way. I just began to see the goal ahead of me, and I began to go, wow, that's, what a future I have because of Christ. What, what grace and mercy is ahead of me because of him? And so what did that do? It caused the affections and love in my heart to overflow. And guess what? I began to experience hope. I began to experience joy again. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. This is what the witnesses were looking forward to. This is what was not complete in them, and they're waiting for us, and they're surrounding us as we run the race of faith, and they're saying, you can do it, you can do it, not because you are faithful, not because you are perfect, but because your Father in heaven is faithful and perfect, and he has made a way for you to become declared righteous before himself. And so what waits ahead of us is mercy and glory and grace, specifically God himself. He is the goal of all of this. It's not a it's not a, a resurrected body, even that's part of it. It's him. It's not so you can go, ooh, look at me, I've got a great body now. No. When I hear preachers preach that, I just go, that's not even, that's irrelevant. <laughs> I get God. Period. So when we're running the race of faith, one thing that will help us is not only looking back to the witnesses, but looking forward to the goal. Raising our head and going, you know what? Man, I've been running this race for a long time. There's hills, there's valleys. And if I just look at the course ahead of me, 
um, I'm going to get discouraged because life is hard. But I'm going to raise my head and I'm going to look not only to the witnesses that are cheering me on, but I'm going to look to the goal. Look past the tape, if you will, the ribbon. And I'm going to look past all of that. I'm going to look to the one who is faithful. The one who has declared me righteous. The one who sent his son. And the one who gave himself willingly for me, for you. So, another motivation is to look to Jesus for endurance. Chapter 12, verse 2a. Look at that with me. He's saying, not just look back to the witnesses, but look to Jesus, the the founder and perfecter of our faith. We're not just looking ahead to what Jesus has done for us in declaring us righteous before the Father, before a holy God, but we're looking to Jesus. And why is this important? Why is it important for him to say the founder and perfecter of our faith? Because if you think any of this, let me see your eyes for a moment, if you think any of this If you don't even begin to think that finishing this race will increase your glory as if it depended on your own strength. We look to Jesus because of what I just said, because Jesus did it for you, though he finished the race for you. So when you get up in the morning, you feel like slowing down or you feel like tapping out, you can trust Christ. And so before you go, you know what, I'm a a freaking loser and failure because here I am again coasting. And walking, what you do is you look to Jesus who finished the race for you. Not only part of that perfection that Jesus did for you and living the perfect life for you is that he completed the race of faith for you. So that even when you feel like tapping out, slowing down, quitting, all these things, and you think, here I am again. Here's a season again of where I'm just, I've gone through a year now of coasting. I've gone through a year of wanting to tap out. You can look to Jesus who perfected that for you. You see, finishing the race is not dependent on your own strength. Completing the race is not dependent on if you can finish perfectly. Because guess who did it for you? Jesus did. So that verse, looking to Jesus um, 12a is basically going back to the gospel again and saying, I can't do it, but you did it for me. And so therefore, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk and follow you. Lord, will you help me to run the race that you've already ran for me, that you've already perfected and completed for me? And will you, meet, will you help me to trust You, even during the times of failure, the times of loss, the times of suffering, the times where I just feel like tapping out and shutting it all down, God, I just, Jesus, you're my only hope. You're my only hope. If not for you, it'd be all over with. See, the, the hope of perfection, the hope of endurance, the hope of running the race of faith with endurance ultimately is dependent upon Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you don't follow and obey and and all those good things that the Scripture says. You do. But you don't do it in the strength that you have. You do it in the strength that he provides. So, and guess what? Here's the good news of that. 
he will do it. So not only did he finish the race for you, he will cause you to finish. Hear me say that just for a moment. He will cause you to finish. If you are in Christ this morning, what he will, this is a promise, a blood-bought promise, what he has begun, what he has started, he will bring to completion. Trust Christ, not just for your salvation, but trust Christ to sustain you in finishing this race. You can trust him. The final motivation is here. Look at 12, 2B. Look forward to the joy that is set before you. So, where is your gaze? As you're running this race of faith, who are you looking to? Where are you looking? Are you looking to the witnesses that are cheering and saying, you can do it, we did it, you can do this? Not because we're faithful or you're faithful, but the God who uh, loves you is faithful. Are you looking to Jesus, who has already done it for you, who will give you the strength to do it? But thirdly, let's follow his example here. Look forward to the joy that is set before you. This is what Jesus did. He, if you look at that verse again, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the, the founder and perfecter, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus had to look at the end, and I would say past the end. So let me give you a little metaphor. I gotta hurry up because we're about to close. But a little, I guess, analogy. I remember back in the day when I was running, okay, uh, I was told, and also when I, yeah, so I did a little martial arts back in the day too. Oh, yeah, I did. And so I got my bell rung and got clocked a lot, but I, I did it. But when I was learning some of those things back when I was a teenager, um, I was taught by several guys to not just keep your, like if you got a punching bag, for example. Don't just punch, the, don't just aim at the bag. Aim through the bag. Aim past the bag. That's where you're going to get power from. If you're running, don't look at the circumstances. Don't aim towards the course. Aim past the tape, past the finish line, and go past. That's why runners will reach out like this, right? So, and actually, this is what Paul was saying when he said, I run the race. He, it was an analogy of him doing this, running not just to the tape and going, hmm, I wonder if I should cross that, okay? But running past it, running through it. And so uh, this is an analogy. So for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He didn't look at the circumstances that he was uh, in. He looked past the tape. He looked past the bag, if you will. And he saw what was waiting for him. And some people say that joy could be you know, being with the Father. Uh, it could be glorification of the Son. It could be he saw us on the other side of that cross. So whatever that joy is, Whatever it is, helped him to endure. So he looked past. For the joy that was set before him, past this earth, past this world, past the circumstances, he endured the cross and the shame of the cross. This is, this is what we should be doing, folks. This is what Kevin should be doing when he's in his FedEx truck. He's looking, I should be looking at the goal of perfection. I should be looking past the circumstances and the people in my life, and I should be looking past that tape and punching through the bag for the joy that is set before us on the other side. We follow Jesus for the joy that was set before us even. We endure. So 
look forward to the joy that is set before you. You see, this is all about where, once again, where our aim is. When you are getting depressed and anxious and discouraged and all throughout life, come back to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and remember the three motivations that we have here. Look back to witnesses. Read chapter 11. Allow the word of God to call you to press on and to fight, to battle, to run the race with endurance. Then look to Jesus, the gospel, the good news that, you know what, even in my discouraging time right now, God does not hold a record of sins against me. He does not hold a record of failure against me. And that's scripture. I'll I'll give you the verse. It says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. All. Because a holy God would be gracious and merciful to you and to me, and he doesn't keep a record of our sins or our failures. That's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. So the phrase that I've held on to over the past few months that led me to preach this series and that I believe summarizes it and the passage is the sermon series title. So if you'll look on the front of your map, or actually maybe in your map, yeah, believing with the end in mind produces hope in God. If there's one thing that the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to do is to believe Receive by faith, trust what is ahead. So that when you are down and downtrodden because life is hard, you look up and you go, now I'm going to trust all of that for me. Not because I'm perfect, not because I'm faithful, because he who called is perfect and faithful. And he has made a way for me to be with him, to be declared righteous before him, and to receive mercy, not just in my time of need here, but ultimately a weight of glory ahead of me. This produces what I felt rise up in me in in the month of May, was hope. Let me see your eyes for a moment. What rose up in me was hope in God, not hope in my circumstances, not hope in people in my life, not hope in who the next president is or whatever it may be, My hope, the hope that I had rose up and I went, God, I I can't wait. I can't wait to be with you. So church, let us run the race. Let's fight the fight of faith for God is faithful. He will finish the saving work that he started in your life. He will. So let's pray. So Lord, I just, um, first of all, Father, I just, I thank you. I thank you, God, who is merciful, gracious in all things, steadfast love endures forever, keeps no record of wrongs or sins, who saves, who sustains, who will complete Father, you are the God we worship this morning. 
full of grace, full of truth. Jesus, we thank you for doing what we could not do in completing the race of faith perfectly for us, dying on the cross for us, being raised again to give us life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would apply your word to our hearts today, especially as we worship you in just a few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.